Hello and welcome to this week's Talking Codswallop. Uh, unfortunately, this episode I am flying solo because Gemma's not uh, too good. She's been under the weather, but there is a wonderful guest on today, so I can't really complain too much. Now, if you are a fan of the show, if you've been listening in the past, you will recognise this man's wonderful dulcet tones. Uh, it is Mr. Andre Daniels, who we've had previously on the show, and I was looking back... Uh, to see when we when we had Dre on, but I'll let Dre introduce himself. So Dre, over to you. James, my man, it's good to be back on Talking Card Swap. It's been forever since uh, I've been on the show. Um, it feels good to be back. Too bad Gemma's not here. I'm sorry she's not feeling too well. But it's 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 been a long time coming uh, mm-hmm. to make my triumphant return to the show. <laughs> Well, definitely. I looked into this to find out when we we first ever had you on, and it was episode one nine five, and that was way back. Are you ready for this? In December twenty twenty one. Good lord. <laughs> Good grief on my almost two years. Holy crap, that yeah. is something. Time flies, don't it? It certainly does. And we we did come on to your uh, show, and that was in April 2022, but it still shows it's been far, far too long. Yeah, man. Yeah, but it's good to be back. I can't wait to talk to you about all the stuff I've been into since the last time we spoke. So um, no doubt this is going to be a dope reunion. Yeah, I think you will. I'm really looking forward to it. Now, the thing is, Dre, for, for anyone who's listening, Obviously, we have our fan base, but, you know, for, you know, every episode or any episode can be a first episode for somebody mm-hmm. who's uh, who's listening. So to let the listeners, you know, who, who've never listened to the podcast before, uh, you know, tell us a bit about yourself. And obviously, for the people who are fans, you know, our, our salty tadpoles, let them uh, let them just uh, refresh their memory. For all the salty tadpoles. I love it. Um <laughs> So for those that aren't familiar with me, I'm Dre to Brew Daniels. I am the writer, editor, owner, and uh, pretty much director of the comic book production company, Brutal Planet Comics, which I also run a YouTube channel of the same name, Brutal Planet mm-hmm. Comics. And I have been a lifelong comic book fan um, since I came out the womb. So this is life for me. Uh, I have been a part of a lot of writing projects uh, in the independent sphere. I've I've had my hands dabbled in voice work. I've done pretty much everything under the sun. Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. And I'm from Washington D.C. in the United States of America. I know I have to quantify that because they all everybody in the UK, Washington DC. <laughs> and, um, I grew up there. Um, and I've always been pretty much a huge comic book guy and I decided to make a career out of it. And I have been producing comics professionally, um, for quite some time, for many years now. And I have finally, finally, um, put together a trade paperback of my flagship comic book run, Trouble the Rhythm Within, which I'm actually on the brigade of promoting on Indiegogo as we speak. And no doubt uh, James will put a link in there somewhere. And right. to get as much support as I can to get this trade paperback 
on everybody on shelves and in people's hands. So um, it's it's been a heck of a long ride and a heck of a career thus far. And I'm just getting started pretty much. So, yeah. That's brilliant. So you have obviously had success in doing this, but I'm intrigued at the point you're at now. What would you say has been the toughest part of of having this as a career? Oh, no question is getting the word out. That's always been the hardest part of being an independent creator um, because the algorithm is not kind to you, especially in social media, not kind. Uh, whether it's been YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or whatever else things that they just keep coming up with every other moment. <laughs> it's, 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 it's relentless. It's like if you're not a quote-unquote influencer or some hot chick doing nothing, it's, it's not, <laughs> it's not gonna, it, it's really, really hard to get the word out. So um, that's always been the major challenge. Like uh, bookings have been easy. That's usually the easy part. Like especially like I, I live in a, a city. I guess in Washington D.C. Obviously, um, and there's a melting pot of all types of book places and comic book shops and everything. So getting booked there is pretty easy, which is which is good. But that's usually in the modern world that we're living in now. If you're not on social media, if you're not in the public eye like that, it, you might fall on deaf ears, which is difficult, especially in a literature-based medium. Um, for those of us that's been around forever and a day, it's weird. E- even to this day, it's weird. And and being on social media, it's uh, like the scrutiny's there, but that's that's all part of the game. But just mm-hmm. getting the word out and having people. Um, be drawn to you because there's so many voices on social media all over the place, all buying for attention or or trying to sell something or whatever the case may be. It's a lot of noise going on. So trying to mm-hmm. cut through the noise is definitely, definitely a challenge. Yeah, because social media is how I think it was on a podcast, wasn't it, when we first got we first kind of got to know each other yeah uh through through uh was it reels and heels it was yes yeah. yes it was on reels and heels yeah yeah and i remember it and it was just i, I love this there were you and some other creators on there and i just love what you were doing and what what you you know you were looking to create and i was like i want to talk to this guy and i want to know what he's all about yeah yeah it's and, funny uh, i just reached out to them the other day i haven't got i haven't heard back from them yet but yeah 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 heels and reels Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was a while ago. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so before we get to talk about treble, which is obviously what we're here to do, and I really am interested to, to, to learn more about what's happening with that, what is your view as someone who's in the comic book industry on the current state of play of comics in general? Certainly when we're looking at the bigger uh, things like the DC and Marvel kind of creations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's funny, um, that's one of the questions I'm asked the most, especially in recent years, because in reality, it's an absolute immitigated disaster um, mm-hmm. what Marvel and DC has done to their brands. And if you want to throw Dark Horse in there, too, then you can throw them in yeah, there. Yeah. And what they've done to their brands and how they have abandoned their their reading public and has completely... Um, sacrifice good storytelling and great legends of writing for political 
nonsense and putting it in their books and ideology that never sells and it's completely alienated let's just let's take our generation out of it because our generation Mm -hmm. will continue to read comic books because Mm -hmm. we have yesteryear's comics that we can always go back and collect from the from decades ago but the new generation the gen z and whatever else is they are completely turned off um from getting into the medium because there are there's some weirdo Gen Zers out there, of course there are, but the majority of them were raised by, you know, us. So mm. it's like they want just good, fun storytelling and all that other stuff, but all you're going to get is political nonsense being shoved down their throat and they're not interested in it. And heck, I'm not interested in it either. So it's taking such a major hit and the idea of trying to grab a hold of this, what, what do they call it, modern audience that doesn't exist? It 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 has done so much damage to the comic book industry, and it it has affected the indies. I, I I'd be a fool to say that it hasn't, but it has also given us a golden opportunity to finally rise to, mm-hmm. to consider it like this, but rise to power. I mean, it's it it is what it is. Like just like back in the '60s when Stan Lee and them took over, and and Mike Dicko, and like they took over because. Pulp was starting to die. When Pulp was starting to die, they swooped in and like, all right, well, we got this new thing and we're going to take over this camp. And now history is repeating itself. Now, granted, it was a different situation. Pulp, Pulp was dying for a bunch of other different reasons because now all those books were pretty much in Westerns and all the other stuff that was on the big screen. And that's when big screens became blockbusters or whatever term they wanted to use back then because now everybody was transitioning into moving pictures so that was a different thing but nonetheless they have squandered the golden egg they have cracked it and they have scrambled it on daggone concrete and it is an absolute mess now so a lot of folks um have pretty much abandoned it and i can't i can't even be upset with them uh, because I, if I was new to the comic scene, I wouldn't want to be into this either. If I was somebody that just enjoyed cartoons or video games and I said, hey, I want to give comics a try. And I go into my local comic shop and I'm seeing all new, all different Marvel. and It's all a bunch of weirdo political garbage. I, I'm I'm out the door. It's not, not even I wouldn't stay there for one second. So they they've they've really squandered something beautiful and now it's up for us to pick up the ball and run with it i'd certainly agree with you and it's got even more i mean i was looking at your uh youtube page and i think it's getting even more difficult to kind of look at what is happening in the the comic book film industry yeah um i i i'm just at a loss with it i can still follow some comics to a degree but if you're looking at, I mean, the trailer that came out from Adam Webb is just... Oh, God. He did nothing for me. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. The timing of that could not have been worse. Hmm. It could not have been worse. Cap- the Captain, the Marvels is literally bombing as oh, we died. speak. Yeah. As we yeah. speak, it is bombing. Harder than Hiroshima, okay? It is bombing. And then Sony has the audacity to go and release another girl boss trailer nonsense. And 
the the amount of eye rolling right when it right right when it was brought to my attention i was like wait no that can't be true and like me i try to be as objective as i possibly can mm-hmm. i try not to judge the film's merit just off of the trailer but the trailer does not look interesting to me nothing about it looks like it's any good you're doing a whole girl boss thing again and look madam webb is not a box office draw yeah she's a support character it, that, that's oh my goodness that, that's like like if dc made a movie about the trickster you know i'm like like well, y- you know like 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 what are you doing like like it's not a draw that that madam webb ain't selling comics there's there's no i've never met anyone said hey i want that madam webb number 272 like i've never heard that sentence ever before (laughs) i have heard say hey let me get spider-man number 116 and it features madam webb in it that's what i know you're going to produce a spider-man once again spider-man branded character with no spider-man again and you turn it into a girl boss film what are you doing slashed with that soul raven now james yeah james i don't know if you're familiar with that soul raven um i don't know if you get over there in the uk but 20 years ago it was on the disney channel and mm-hmm. I, I had younger cousins and siblings and stuff and they they watched it it's dumb it's, it's literally like somebody seeing the future and they're like oh i'm gonna change it and and like literally the the camera angles, the camera shots, everything is that so Raven. And mm-hmm. I'm sitting there like, what am I looking at? This is <laughs> like, and I'm I'm sure this joint's gonna have a budget of at least 150 million dollars. Mm-hmm. And th- there's no there's no way this movie makes money. I don't know what's going on. And I've said this a thousand times. I'll say it a thousand more. You can not make money when you're just trying to push political nonsense the air the girl boss archetype has never allow me to repeat myself never made money ever period you can go down an entire list of things that's been released over the last what three or four years three or four years and it's all been trash. You can go the what, what they did the Oceans Eleven with all the women. They did the the the, the four three three with all the women. All digital bombed. What was that uh, Birds of Prey bombed? Uh, all, literally all of them. Every single one where they're pushing the girl boss women better. Blah 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 blah. It's nonsense. And it's time. And, and yet, yeah, and yet the the film that I absolutely loved that in, in, I have nothing against strong female characters. I have nothing against female leads. Mm-hmm. But an example of an absolutely wonderful film that did well was the Last Predator film. Yes, it did. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. I loved yeah. it. It was a great character. There was no suggestion that it had you know that any other people of different genders or whatever were, were any better than anybody else. It was just a well put together film that really got my attention and that's and that's the thing i i i have a major problem with the idea that feminine characters 
have to be ma- well, female characters have to be masculine in order to maintain their power or to look great or to look not weak. It's so counterproductive. If your idea of a strong female character is someone that resembles every trait of a man, that means that you people are the sexist, the people that are creating these things. Not me. I didn't like I've been a fan of women protagonists since I came out the womb. Mm-hmm. I love Red Sonia. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. Ellen Ripley. I love Eon Flux. I love Sarah Connor. I love all all, all these female characters that that were that stood on their own merit. Mm-hmm. I I've been down with since the since the beginning. You people decide to decide that women aren't strong. Women in, in their own femininity isn't a powerful thing. You people decided that and then decided to say they have to have every traits of a man and then a man has to be feminized in order to elevate her. That wasn't me. That was y'all. And look, well, look at the at, results. Yeah. Well, look at one of the greatest characters ever within comics as a female strong character, Oracle. You know, Oracle. Barbara Gordon. It's great. Oracle is tremendous. Tremendous. Not, and not just in her skill and ability, but but with how she was able to overcome a horrible tragedy in order yes. to become an even greater hero in her own right. That's what real strength is. Not I'm a I'm a girl boss and I I don't need no man. Like, like bro, come on. Like 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 the, all these characters, all these characters that I've loved forever. Wonder Woman, Misty Knight, uh, Barbara Gordon, uh, uh, Bumblebee. Like, like there's so many a cat woman like like, like i can have yeah. just a laundry list she hulk she hulk was my favorite <laughs> heroine of all time i had a poster of her on my wall sensational she hulk i had a poster of her on my wall as a kid i hate what they did to her what they did to she hulk in that show was an abomination and no doubt deserves to be in the seventh circle of hell that <laughs> was a disaster warning they decided to push her as I I can't even wrap my head around it. And then you got Dan Slott losing his mind, besmirching his his own work because people, and rightfully so, were like, "Yo, this is terrible. This is trash. I want nothing to do with this." And Dan Slott, who's written more She-Hulk than pretty much anybody, I have his entire run on my shelf, and he's <laughs> talking about some yarders don't understand the character. This is beautiful. I'm like, no, you're an idiot. They're insulting your work, sir. And you're shilling for them, and they still won't hire you. Stop the chaos. Everyone knows it's garbage. One thing you can't trick is the viewing public forever. That's one thing you can't do. You might be able to get them once. You might want to get. You might get them twice, but they'll catch on to your nonsense, and then it all falls apart. And that is what's happening in front of us. And I'm so glad to see that it's finally burning at the stake. The interesting thing that you you touched upon uh, when we were discussing, obviously, Madam Web, um, I was thinking back to like what was my knowledge of Madam Web, and really, my only knowledge of Madam Web is from the Spider-Man cartoon that was in the 1990s, where it was voiced by uh, uh, Joni Lee, yes. Stan Lee's uh, wife. And it's also this interest. I, I was intrigued with. It. I mean, you hit the nail on the head when you were saying about characters that are basically side characters the not yep. kind of the, the characters that people would know that well and if you think about the run of the last and they, they were all sony i believe so we had venom 
which, okay, people may know Venom reasonably well, but it's still a side character. Then you really? move to something like Morbius, which, again, is a character to my knowledge that no one's been crying out for. Nope. Then we shift to Madam Web. Yeah, it's going, and, it's going and south. And we've got Craven the Hunter coming. It's and, going the wrong direction. Yeah. It's going the wrong direction. And look, I'm a huge Venom fan. I love that character. I think that character can actually stand on his own merits. And mm-hmm. I think he's oh, popular enough in order to have his own films, which he has and has made some money. But would I then say, okay, since this was success with Venom, which is a mainstay character, which everybody knows, even if you're not a comic book fan, you know Venom. That's like, mm-hmm. he's a premier villain. Morbius, are you kidding me? Morbius. The only people that know who Morbius is is like me and three other people. <laughs> well, the cartoon for me. The cartoon is most of this. Most of these characters, if I'm honest, Craven, Madam Web, and Venom. I all learned about. Well, I learned to be fair. I learned about Venom from uh, seeing the comics when I was younger. Yeah. But yeah. the other characters, which are very you know tertiary characters, I know about them from the cartoon. And exactly. if you weren't of, of a certain age, I mean, I don't see how it's going to work. And where I felt, you know, the heart sinks for me when I look at the trailer to Crave and I just thought, this is not going to be good. And then it's not I look one at second. the trailer to Madam Web. It's, a, these are going to be disasters of mass proportion. And not to mention that you're fundamentally changing these characters. Yeah. We got Crave the Hunter is some type of killer buddy it's like an environmentalist at the same like like just all types of nonsense you're mm-hmm. throwing together and you because this is the thing this is the problem not not just with you know what they're doing but when you're trying to make a villain a main character you have to have a foil for the mm-hmm. villain if the only foil for the villain is another villain who am I supposed to root for? Who am I supposed to be invested in? I can't root for Craven because I know what he does. I know what he's going to do. Like I, I, You're a bad person. Michael Morbius, yes, he's a tragedy, but who cares if he's not involving Spider-Man? Only thing you can do is get another vampire-esque character? That's, that's dumb. All of this is dumb. And now with Madam Web, we're doing a, some weird Spider-Man that's not Spider-Man, that's, but he's going to take on the three Spider-Women variants. It's just a complete and utter waste. It's, 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 it's getting harder and harder to see it. It's, it's just getting unbearable for my, oh boy, here it comes. It's, it, it, it's like the, the train is coming, and you can walk off of the train tracks. And but you, you you know that there's an idiot standing there waiting to get hit, and you just have to cover your eyes and be like, oh my god, he's gonna stand there and get hit by this train. Oh, hey hey, how about you go off the train? Like, no no no, it's gonna be fine. Like, no bro, you, you're gonna be all all of your parts are gonna be flying through the air. Like 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 they need to stop. Marvel, Sony, DC, all of them just needs to stop. Because it's too the, the the brands at this point have been so badly tainted that there's it's just no coming back at this point. The, there's an element of me that always wonders: is this some kind of giant tax write-offs idea they've got that 
<laughs> that, that we don't know about. Or, you know, they have to use the IP, like you know, happened in the past when it came to the the uh, the common Fantastic Four film, where it was, you know, it had to be made. Uh, or when they made Man of Steel, they had to make the film within a certain amount of time, or the rights would revert back to um, yeah, whoever uh, Siegel Schuster family, yeah, be something yeah. like that. Now, what are your thoughts? I'm hoping I'm lit a, a, a you know a, a fire under on this one, so to speak. I mean, we've discussed Marvel to a degree. Mm-hmm. I myself personally, my heart sinks when I think about what's going to happen with DC. I oh, just cannot. Boy. I can't. Uh, I'm very disappointed in what I think the future will be. Although I did like the Flash, a lot of people didn't, but I liked the Flash. Hmm. So DC never got started, as far as I'm concerned. Um, this was a start-stop franchise. Man of Steel, I thought was a decent movie. Batman v Superman was trash. Justice League was a, a mitigated disaster. Wonder Woman, I really, really liked mm-hmm. the first. Um, Aquaman, I enjoyed that movie. Uh, Wonder Woman 84 may be one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. Um, Blue Beetle was a fun film, but I think this joint should have just been on uh, Max or HBO Max, mm-hmm. whatever they want to call themselves now. I think that should have just went been on HBO Max. It should just went to streaming. This And based on what I, I hear, that's what it was supposed to be. And it should have been. It was not. It was. This was not a big, uh, big film that should have been on on the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Flash. Um, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I did not really like that movie very much. There was a couple elements that I enjoyed. I mean, seeing Michael Keaton again is always great. And I was the the part that I thought I'd hate the most is what I actually enjoyed the most, which was Supergirl. I, I enjoyed her portrayal. I thought that was really really. Mm-hmm really decent i really thought it was just going to be some as everything else i've been conditioned to is girl boss time um and i didn't get that so i was very happy with that portrayal but to ezra miller's for two hours that was just too much for me man that was <laughs> that what was i couldn't much yeah what i couldn't get my head around with um the flash is the way they had affleck playing batman it just didn't seem to feel like we'd ever seen Affleck's portrayal of Batman. I mean, interestingly, I like Batman versus Superman, but I particularly like the extended cut. And I like Zack Snyder's Justice League, the one that came out that was done by... Uh, yes, the, the four-hour cut. I enjoyed I that. Was a, yeah, I thought the Whedon cut was appalling. I remember sitting in the cinema and just thinking, wow, this is not good. Um, but I, God, who knows? I mean, I, I cannot work out the, the DC plan at all. I mean, I remember seeing Black Adam... And if I'm honest, my favorite part of Black Adam was uh, the Justice Society and the way uh, Dr. Fate was portrayed Agreed. by Pierce Brosnan. Agreed. Agreed. I, I, uh, oh, uh, I, you know, I forgot all about Black Adam. But, yeah, I enjoyed that movie. I enjoyed Black Adam. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, the Justice Society of America was a standout for me. Yes. Um, except Cyclone. Cyclone was kind of stupid. We could have removed her and missed nothing. Mm-hmm. But. Um, but I, I like Adam Smasher. Adam Smasher was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Carter Hall, Hawkman. I really enjoyed that. And I, I mean, and I mean, a standout was Dr. Fate. Dr. Yes. Fate yeah. was a standout. And I really, really, really liked Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate. We could have just took freaking The Rock out of it. I didn't need him. We could have just, just a Society of America movie. 
That would have been fine. We could have just got him out of here. I didn't. I did not need him. But if I thought the film was fine, did it have some problems? Absolutely. The narrative was whack. The villain was garbage. But I, but the Justice Society of America really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed that aspect. And but once again, that that movie bombed because DC's a non-starter. And yeah. and what James Gunn has done, and this is, I got major beef with James Gunn. As major, do I. major beef. He killed these films before they even got started. Mm-hmm. When he got up and did that showcase, I don't know if you watched it when he when he when he did the showcase about like what he's doing with the DC um, DCU. He could drop the E. You going with DCU further? He got up there on the showcase and told the entire world that the movies that are coming out at that point it was uh, 2023 was about to start. Like the movies that are coming out are not connected to his universe. The moment he said that, he killed those films. Mm -hmm. He killed them. Because now you're telling the viewing public to what the viewing public, what they understand is these movies don't matter. Mm. That is what's being said to the viewing public, whether he understood it or not. The moment he said that, I said, I said, I know that fool didn't just say what I thought he said. I know that's not what he just said. And show sure enough, Shazam 2 bombed. Um, uh, Black Adam bombed. Henry Cavill fired. Yeah. Um, ben Affleck left. Flash bombed, but for other reasons as well. Bombed. Mm-hmm. It just like like he, you you set up the dominoes for all these films to fail. I don't know why he got there and said it. And then his headlining pieces are creature commandos. <laughs> yeah, I what can't are you that talking out. about? Uh, oh, uh, the Amazons of Themyscira. What? What are you talking about? You cannot, you can't tank your studio and then immediately your lineup is obscure stuff from that only five people know about. If I was him, if I'm going to go and tank the studio, I said, this is what we're doing. Our first three movies are Superman, then a Batman, then a Wonder Woman. Then we're going to have a Justice League film, which will then introduce fill in the blank, Green Lantern. Uh, Flash, whatever. I'm going to introduce all these characters in a Justice League movie. Then we can have all shoots. Then we can go go to the Green Lantern Corps. Then we can do whatever. Blah, 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 blah. Do a Holy Trinity movie. All these different things. But without question, my first order of business is getting the big three established because now that establishes your universe. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And everything else is secondary. You're going to tell me that I'm not getting a Batman movie until like six projects in? Are you insane, man? You're crazy. Well, I believe, yeah, I believe the idea when it was Snyder's uh, baby was that he had wanted to go, you know, Superman, Batman, probably Wonder Woman, then a Justice League, but he was overruled by Warners, as I understand it. And they basically said, well, you know, the Avengers has done really well. We've got to get oh. a massive film where we bring everyone together. That's insane. What happened? 
it, it, was, it was such a bad call. Studio interference is the is just a death cry. It's a nightmare. Like, hey, we gotta have ourselves a an Avengers movie. Um, excuse me. Uh, they spent four years building that up. Yeah. And multiple characters with solo films to build to the Avengers film. The Avengers film does not happen if we didn't have those buildups. Because I don't know how studios understand this. Iron Man was a D-lister before the Iron Man movie came out. D-lister. Hence why Marvel allowed, I think, was that, no, that was Universal. Columbia? No, Columbia Sony. Whatever studio that was. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, to use Iron Man, so if it bombed, it wouldn't be hurting a major brand, because Iron Man was not popular at all. But that film ended up being a hit, mm-hmm. and then it started snowballing and, and it's creating something that has never been seen before, which has now since been destroyed in front of our very eyes. But it's something we had never seen before. And then DC wanted to play catch up immediately. Say, okay, we had a wonder, we, we, we had a Superman movie that was not interconnected with anything. Let's get that out the way. Was not interconnected with anything. We have a Superman movie. Okay, what's next? Uh, okay, Avengers is kicking our butts. Let's go ahead and just do a Batman v Superman. Um, excuse me, we haven't established Batman in mm-hmm. this universe. So why why are they fighting? Um. What's what's the issue? Alex Luthor is how old? What what's going on? Who, who some they have the same mama name? Like like it, it was just such <laughs> a hog wash of garbage just thrown together, and they just threw it at the wall, and they they pretty much violated one of my favorite Batman stories of all time, The Dark mm-hmm. Knight Returns by Frank Miller. Now, granted, I personally like Ben Affleck as Batman. I, I oh I do. I think he was brilliant. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed that. And much to maybe other people's chagrin, they may disagree with me, but that's fine. I really liked it, and I wanted to see more of him. I wanted to see a solo Batman film. But things got away. The studios went crazy. Unfortunately, Jack uh, Zack Snyder had a loss in his family and, and couldn't complete his work in the Justice League movie, which, of course, his cut was a lot better, but at the same time, completely unnecessary. I wanted solo films so that we can build to something. And Steppenwolf is your villain? Come on, who's writing this? Like, who's who's doing this? Like, oh, Steppenwolf's the big bad. Steppenwolf has never been the big bad ever in any book ever, period. I'd rather have Granny Goodness in there than Steppenwolf. <laughs> <laughs> it was, but it was very interesting to see also just cycling back, and we'll get off the rage train in a moment, I promise, because <laughs> both of us are getting uh, triggered, as they say, by this, uh, <laughs> is that when you look at, you know, Gunn, and he's supposed to this is going to be the great saviour of everything, I mean, what's he hit with the Suicide Squad, which supposedly was the greatest film ever, and I remember watching thinking, it's okay. You know, oh, to me, right. Yo, I okay. think I pushed that movie out of my memory. I forgot all mm. about that movie. Holy crap. Wow. Yeah. Suicide Squad. Yeah. Wow. I, I thought it was okay, his his thing, but nothing exceptional that had me like, you know, wanting to go back to watch it again and again and again. And it's yeah. just, I mean, it's telling, isn't it, that the two standout successes they've had within DC have been what they're now terming the Elseworld films, which are the Joker and uh, mm. the Batman, which is to yeah. be treated as Elseworld. So they're going to be freestanding entities. Yeah. Um, 
I don't personally understand why they're making a sequel to The Joker, but, you know, hopefully oh. it will be successful. But I personally would have left it as a standalone film. I did too. I agree with you, James. I, I thought that film was darn near perfect um, for what they were trying to convey, the story that they were trying to tell. It was technically a low-budget film. Like, like so many mm-hmm. things worked so well with that. The char- characterization and Joaquin Phoenix really, really able to sink his teeth into something. It was brilliant. And that movie did not need a sequel. But once you have a movie that has a budget of, like, five dollars and a stick of gum make a billion dollars <laughs> it, it's it's the studios can't even help themselves they're salivating at their mouth like oh my god you mean until we made a billion dollars and we barely uh, had to pay for a sandwich like yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah yeah let's just do this again so i get it but i think it was perfect the way it was i don't think it should be tampered with because now the um the ambiguity of it is going to be eroded because there was so much of that film that was left to your own speculation of what was real and what was a fantasy yes. in his head. There was so much that even even the the ending, the ending, mm-hmm. you don't know if he gets gets out and goes on a killing spree or whatever, or if he's still in his head just imagining mm-hmm. his own freedom. Like, like it ends with such such ambiguity that it allows me to always fantasize about what really happened. Mm-hmm. But now you're going to kill all that because now we're going to have to actually have a definitive answer because he's got to have to get out of prison and do stuff in order for this film to happen. So I think I think they're really missing missing the mark there. I mean, it might be very successful and they're trying to do something unique as in making it into a musical, which is going to yes. be very, very different. And mm-hmm. Lady Gaga, she got some pipes on her. So, she, yeah. And she's not a bad actress. So. Yeah. So that could be interesting it could be an interesting film like I'll, I'll, i'm gonna definitely go see it because I'm, I'm definitely intrigued and um and the batman with robert pattinson i enjoyed that film i enjoyed mm-hmm. that film i think the third act was absolutely ludicrous but first two acts i was intrigued i was um captivated by the by the film i i, I was i was on board until the third act just kind of divulged into weird superhero trope nonsense and that got kind of mm-hmm. strange with bombs exploding and uh, that, that, that got weird um but but i enjoyed that film and you're right you're right those are the most successful films that they've had and it's got nothing to do with the dc eu dc the, the the shared universe stuff it's got nothing to do with it They're just standalone stories and um i me personally i, I would prefer if dc just stayed that i, I would prefer if they would just at this point, an, a brand is like, hey, we're just going to tell this story. And we're just going to tell this story. And no, no interconnecting. Oh, now Batman's going to meet a, a plastic man. And like, no, 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 no. We're, we're like, just keep everything separate and just tell a little story. Just like we, we used to back yes. in the day. Back when we were just, hey, we're just telling a story. This is the movie. Blah, 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 blah. I think we need to get back to that. At least have DC be different than Marvel and be like, hey, this is what we have to offer. We're talking about doing stories this way, not this universe colliding nonsense, multiversal foolishness, blah, 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 blah. I think that would be a much better way to get things done. But you're right, James. Those are the only ones that are making money. 
And what I think would have been interesting if we'd had what I've heard is the alternate cut of what, or of, well, no, the alternate ending of what could have happened with the Joker is that the person who shoots the Waynes also shoots Bruce Wayne. And I think that would have been one hell of an interesting dark ending to the, to the film. Oh, that would have been, that would have been hardcore. That would have been very hardcore. My I God. think that would really, yeah, that would have really changed things up. Um, I mean, I still hold out hope we'll one day see the air cut of his Suicide Squad film, but we shall have to see what happens on that yeah. if it ever comes to pass. Yeah, I, and you know the thing is, I mean, I don't know how much that film was cut up by the studio. Obviously, it must have been a great deal if there if there was at one point at least a movement of release that the air cut. So, I mean, obviously, it must have been a great deal at the studio, like pretty much sliced up and through into the fiery furnace. Um, but I've never, like, but I wasn't intrigued enough into that film to actually care about um, the extended director's cut. I, I, I literally didn't, didn't even cross my mind once. Like I saw that movie once in the theaters. And I think I saw it on streaming maybe a couple years ago. Just because I saw it once in the theater, I said, oh, okay, it's a B movie. You know, you just, you know, turn your brain off, watch the explosions. But the villain was just so absurd that I I couldn't even wrap my head around it. Enchantress was just a nothing burger. And I was I was very I I was very confused on what the point of this film was. I, I can understand if it was like a fun mission and they're trying to accomplish something. But this was just like. It was just weird. It was Amanda Waller creating a, a demon baby, and then they stopped the demon baby. So they didn't do it. So nothing was accomplished. They're not saving anyone. It's, it's very, very weird. But the thing but, is, we were sold. If you think about the original trailer, we were sold that the Joker would be even more of the villain yeah. than he ever was. And he was the selling point. I believe that's what the air cut would show. Because Despite, and I don't know how you feel, but despite the fact a lot of people hated Jared Leto's take, I actually quite liked it. Mm. I thought it was so, it was like a gangster villain, which I thought was yeah. kind of cool. I liked that. I think you, I, you know, I think you like it. Because, um, okay, let me let me ask. Did Were you a fan of the, the 1989 Batman? Oh, yeah. Movie? Yeah. 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 And I think, I think the Jared Leto version of the Joker is like a holdover. From Jack Nicholson's, in my opinion, mm-hmm. because Jack Nicholson that, was yeah. a gangster and all that other stuff. And he was just doing he wasn't he, he became maniacal um, in a more superficial. I'm a gangster takeover kind of way. So I think those that may be a fan of that performance, which I'm a fan of Jack, Jack Nicholson's performance as well. But I think that that holdover, I think it was either you're going to love it or hate it, because mm-hmm. for me. I didn't really like the performance, even though there wasn't a whole lot to go off of. I didn't like the performance because I felt like it it was for me, it was a cop out of Jack Nicholson's version. That's that was how I viewed it. So I was like, oh, I mean, I mean, right when I saw it, I said, oh, he's trying to be Jack Nicholson. That's what I said. That's the first thing I said out of my mouth. <laughs> and I was like, I'm like, yeah, like, it's not really. I'm like, this performance ain't for me. I mean, granted, he's a fine actor. And when it comes to. Like um and was it, emerging himself in his roles, he's a crazy person. So I can I have a lot of respect for his craft, but I didn't know if it was direction, if it was writing, or if it was him. But it just didn't do it for me. It just, just did not do it for me. But I get I get where you're coming from, James. I can see how you could like it. And what 
out of interest, and we will get because we, we're doing what we would call venting our spleen on this. And then we will get <laughs> on to the, the meat of our conversation, which is what I really want to learn more about what you were doing. Uh, what do you think about Batgirl? Why do you think that went so horribly wrong and will never ever see the light of day? Ooh. I mean, I personally think it just looked really cheap and nasty when I saw things from it. But I also heard, uh, was watching a video recently where they were saying that there were problems with it and the directors hoped that the problems would become apparent when they looked at the, you know, the rough cuts and they'd mm. given a chance to alter things, but it never happened. They basically just went, nope, tax right off, it's crap, boom, gone. It must have been something detestable. That's the only thing that I could think of. Because I've seen like uh, like the behind the scenes, there's always somebody with a camera, you know, and stuff. And I've seen some things, and I've seen like a lot of good use of practical effects. I saw a lot of good stuff as far as like the shooting was concerned. But I got I that story must have been so detestable because I, I I remember David Zaslav came out and said if we release that, it would destroy our brand. Now, when an executive says that, especially with our modern executives anyway that are pushing all whatever and whatever the case may be it must have been like oh i don't know the marvel's bad she hulk bad it must have been something that's so absurdly horrid that it could not see the light of day like like the marvel should have been shelved years ago and now even the normies that aren't in elbow deep in the comics and stuff like that have completely soured on the brand. The moment uh, it's already been soured already, but this was the nail in the coffin. Maybe Zaslav saw Batgirl and thought it was going to be the nail in DC's coffin. It must have been horrific. And that's the only thing I can think of that. It was like bad, bad, like irredeemable trash. Because we've seen, we look, just look at the garbage that has made it past the cutting room floor and has made it to the big screen, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And so, but somebody saw this and said, "It can't be done. It's it can't be done." I can only imagine, th- I, and it has to be the story. It's got to be. Yeah, it's got to be the story because I saw some. I, uh, from what I saw, is there was a lot of good timed explosions, special effects. It, a lot a lot of good costume design like i saw hard work involved here and yes. in, in in the action sequences so it had to be that the story is so unsufferable that they just could not pull the trigger and that's just my opinion well the things that i heard that always seemed strange about it was the fact that the idea would be that you obviously had you know jk simmons who we mm-hmm. know as you know Affleck's uh, Commissioner Gordon, but he was still going to be in it. Then we're going to have Keaton. Again, that links to the Flash because he would be there, uh, Batman. But the idea is he was going to be like a Nick Fury-style Batman who was like a a, a mentor to people. But then strangely, yeah. you would have Barbara Gordon as wearing a costume that I believe she got from like a costume shop and she somehow built yeah. to to fight people and be successful. And then I think from other pictures, I saw it look like they got her in a more accepted uh, you know, style of costume where it looked more, uh, uh, I guess, how would I say, more superhero-y than the yeah. one she has in Millie Rom, which you would have got, I've seen from Batman, but like, everyone's going, oh yeah, great, uh, uh, you know, Keaton's back. I think he was supposed to be in it for like five, ten minutes. 
Yeah, that's called the dank. That was the jangling keys mm-hmm. to try to get yeah. butts in seats. And uh, I guess they felt that it wouldn't be enough. Heck, it wasn't enough. Flash bombed. So yeah. it, it, putting the jangling keys and God knows I love me some Michael Keaton. But the jangling keys just doesn't work the way it used to. And that's some, that's what I'm, my opinion is it had to be the story. It had to be. Be- because good grief you scrap the whole th- a completed film james yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think it's Please. more the fact that uh, as we've i mean as we have discussed the neither of the studios seem to really know what they're doing anymore and the fact that when it came to the i mean aquaman 2 the fact that they had keaton doing sh- scenes as bruce wayne batman and then they decided that they're going to have affleck as bruce wayne batman now it sounds like there may not even be any of them and it may just, I think, you know, they're saying that Aquaman 2 will be the one that's the nail in the coffin for that that whole run. That it's, that's what's going to finish it off. But allegedly, they're saying that Jason Momoa was going to be playing Lobo. Now, again, Lobo, not a very well-known character. Yeah, it's like, like I know Lobo. You know Lobo. Oh, I know Lobo. You, yeah, know, but, you yeah. know, the hardcores know Lobo. And it's just like... Ah, I, I, I just don't. Oh, God, this blows my freaking skull. I just don't get it. I don't get it. How are you going to get butts in seats? Lobo is great. He's a great character, mm-hmm. but I would not make a film about him. I wouldn't do that. Because he's good. Like he, he, as far as I'm concerned, he is uh, he is the Punisher in a way. Mm. Like Punisher is a good character, is a great side character. He shows up, shoots a bunch of people, explosions, fighting, and Merkinbamas, and then he's on his way. That is how Punisher is best used. Lobo is the same. He's an episodical villain. He shows up, the main man has got to get his prize, you know, and just come and do his thing, fight some heroes, understand that he might not get his money, and then bounce. I cannot sit there and watch Lobo for two hours. I can't, I can't do that. That's weird, because you're going to have to fundamentally change who this character is in order for the narrative to work. He can't just be the hard-nosed, brash, take-no-nonsense, coming to get his money, and Mr. Steal Your Girl. You can't do that for two hours. You're going to have to go to all his backstory and what happened to his planet, how he killed all of his people, all that junk. Then he's going to have to be relatable in some ways. You have to make him a slave or something ridiculous so so that the audience won't just hate him the whole time. I'm not interested in that. If you're going to introduce Lobo somewhere, give me a Superman film. Give me a Superman film. Mm -hmm. And then he just shows up. You can have an established Superman. We don't have to go back to Kansas and all that stuff. Like, just give me an established Superman. And like some, some point or another, there's some people he's pissed off in the past and they sent the main man to get rid of him. 
You can do that in the middle of the film, have a nice little cameo, and then they have a good fight, and then Lobo's like, I'm going to get you next time. You know, something like that. You you can't just make a whole film on it. It's not, it's not that kind of character. But nobody nobody listens to me, so what, 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 what the heck? You know, but, but I think Aquaman is not going to do well. Um, I'm pretty sure it's going to bomb. As the rest of these are. Now, I will actually go see Aquaman because I, I like the first mm-hmm. one. And I think this movie is just going to be a bunch of dumb fun. And that's pretty much what I'm into these days. I see dumb fun. I will go and check it out. But <laughs> other than that, now, it's this DC EU, DC U future state crap. This is all this is all going downhill fast. Now. You, no one could ever say we've been around the bush on this uh, discussion <laughs> of uh, comics. Uh, we've basically found the bush. Uh, we've thrown petrol over it and we've set it on fire. <laughs> that is how we've treated this bush. Um, so I want to take us from the thing that has both been causing us rage and discomfort, which is, frankly, the baffling comic and comic film situation. I want to discuss something that's going to make us both happy, which is I want to hear more about your comic books. I want to know what's going on. I want to know what the future plans are, because that will make me happy, and it'll certainly make the salty uh, tadpoles happy. Yeah, yeah. And one thing I want to make happy are the salty tadpoles, if nothing else. Make them happy. <laughs> um, so, Trouble, The Rhythm Within, I finished the eight-issue run late last year, and it was great. I did, a, I did some signings. It was a lot of fun. But we in the comic book industry know the reality. Mm-hmm. You got to make the trade paperback for this bad boy. And that is what yes. I've been working on this year. And that is what I'm bringing to everybody, including our salty tadpoles. That is what we're bringing the trade paperback. So for those that are unfamiliar with this story, it's very simple action adventure musical all about the hero's journey. Very, very classic tale. So our hero, Zamir Green, is a 17-year-old high school student who just finished the 11th grade. And he is an aspiring DJ. And he's just excited to start DJing his first big party. But meanwhile, there's some nefarious things going down at the water treatment plant. Someone has poisoned the water supply with a powerful mutagen. Now, the virus begins to spread throughout the city, and it is dubbed the Chills. And now, Zamir Green, our hero, ends up contracting this virus, and his body begins to transform. And he begins to learn that he gets a different superpower based on the genre of music that he listens to. So as our story progresses, he learns how to hone his abilities. He gets new new songs. Um, there's new villains that that that, cro- that come up from this crop of this mutagen. There's a nefarious plan going on, and also there is a bit of a mystery that's going on at the same time. Ooh, Dalali, boy, do I love a good mystery. So um, um amongst this. There are original song lyrics that's been put into this book. Um, this Indiegogo actually will um, support the. Oh, excuse me, lost my voice for a second. Will support 
there is a soundtrack that is coming along with this book and it's currently being produced as we speak um, so that we can get a little taste of the taste of what our hero is listening to as he is fighting crime. Um, I thought it would be a really, really cool feature. Like, what's a musical book without music, James? What am I supposed to I mean, I th- to be fair, as soon as I heard you say that, I really liked that. I really liked that idea because I always, you know, when you hear people or, you know, or you, you're reading, sorry, a book or a comic and they're discussing elements of music or film or something that is influencing them, it's brilliant to be able to do that in real time with them. And certainly yeah. when something's integral as it is in your story, I mean, that you are really going to immerse the reader into it far more than anything else has ever done. You know, I think that was a wonderful idea. Absolutely wonderful. Now that you say it's a wonderful idea, I know it's a good idea. <laughs> now I know. Yeah. Um, it's it's really something. It's... um. I wanted to bring it to life. I wanted, I wanted to make it real. I wanted to, I want the audience to feel it, you know, um, mm. and especially for all those salty tadpoles out there. I want you all to feel what, where I'm coming from as well. And I, and it's not just like a passing fancy or a gimmick. It actually is a literal part of the story. Um, it, it, it helps bring the story more to life. It helps bring everything full circle and then like throughout the story and you're uncovering this mystery along with our our main hero and then you there's a major major reveal at the end of this story that's going to blow your freaking top off and you're just going to make you reread it just to see how you missed it you know Mm -hmm. it's going to be it's it's going to be something that's cataclysmic that's going to push the future stories even further. And I, I, and I, I can't wait to see everybody's reaction when they come across it. I love things like that, where you end up re-examining mm-hmm. after you've, after you've read it, you know, maybe even more than once you may re-examine yeah. it. Now, yeah. obviously when it came out, it will be, you know, I'm intrigued. What's been the big difference between or the most challenging, rewarding aspect of going from, you know, normal comic to trade paperback? Mm, very good question. So when it comes to trade paperbacks, first of all, it's there's a, there's a matter of padding out the pages, especially mm-hmm. when you're doing um, an entire story arc. Some people like to do the arcs in parts like if it's an eight issue arc like which is like a typical eight issue arc you might do volume one and the volume two you might do that um just so you can split up the padding all right in my case this graphic novel is 242 pages of glorious color and in order to make sure i make i hit those numbers the right way um, I had to create some new splash pages, bring a few more things to life, um, a few more sketch pages, a few little extra special tidbits to make sure that nothing comes out wrong, um, especially when it comes to like during the printery, because how things are printed, they're printed like a how can I describe it? Uh, four pages for like every Every couple pages is printed as groups of four. There it is. There it is. English. English is hard. Um, so you'll have the cover, front and back, 
and then you'll slide four pages in. That will be two in the front, two in the back, and it builds that way into the middle. So, so the pages always are supposed to end with even numbers. If you do not have the even numbers, you run the risk of printing with blanks. And that is not what you want at all. So your measurements for your prints have to be absolutely pristine. If mm-hmm. if you if you mess up once, literally your batch is ruined. <laughs> um, so it's it's really you have to be precise and getting the right measurements for your spine. Spine measurements got to be pristine digitally. Well, everything's digitally now, but but doing it digitally, you got to make sure that it does fit. In my case, I think this was one and two fifths millimeters, I believe, because if if it's not that, then you have run the risk of your spine being stretched. And that's not a good look at all. Um, so there is definitely some challenges why I, w- which I understand why a lot of people shy away from trade paperback sometimes because you'd hate to run the risk for it to be ruined, especially um, in the printing industry, how you have to buy so many things in bulk. There are very few that allow you to do singular prints. Um, I think mm-hmm. there's maybe one in uh, Florida, I think, allows you to do that. But other than that, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's Comic Impressions, I believe, is the one that allows you to do that. But that's rare. It's yeah. rare and in between. Most overwhelming majority are bulk. So you run the risk of spending hard-earned money on a bulk that's absolutely trash. So it's it's tough. Oof. So how... Um, how, on top of, uh, you know, treble, what what are the future plans do you have for comics? That's an excellent question. So, so treble story is going to continue, and I can reveal the title here. I've, I've, Ooh, I've, um, please do. I, I have re- released the title in, in other podcasts as well. So this arc, of course, was treble, the rhythm within. This one will be treble, rise of the children, chill ah. with two L's. and that's going to be my villain arc it's going to be of course our hero at at his lowest point um it's essentially going to be the empire strikes back of my trilogy that i'm planning and it's going to be as you folks over there on the other side of the pond would say it's going to be bloody brilliant it's going to be like that so um i'm i'm actually in the midst of writing it as we speak and it's uh, definitely some some ways away from production, I'll tell you that. Um, but it's going to be pretty good. But I, I plan on doing a lot of things with um, this current arc, Travel the Rhythm Within. Um, maybe at one point down the line, I'll be I'll release a deluxe edition with some um, with a whole new batch of songs that are going to be um, QR coded into all the pages. Um, I'm also looking to potentially maybe make a cartoon out of this. Is a lot of um, potential that I have there. Um, outside of Trouble, um, I have other ventures that I do on YouTube on my Brutal Planet Comics YouTube channel. There's some ventures there. Um, I'm still uh, dabbling in some voice work here and there. I'm looking to um, ex- expand a little bit um, and try to do some more, uh, call it like it is, drama 
um, mm-hmm. work, which is um, becoming pretty. I'm getting good at it, so I'm, I'm so so I'm going to be expanding in that regard. So there's a lot of things on the horizon for me right now. A lot of a lot of good stuff there, James. Uh, and when it comes, I mean, if you can't give away too much, you know, sure. I can understand. But when it comes to the treble sequel, is there anything that's particularly inspiring you without giving anything away? To, mm-hmm. you know, oh, way, yeah. In what you're putting in there. Of course. Of course. There is a couple new inspiration. Ah, call it new. But but as far as inspiring me through this issue, there is a great deal of Conan the Barbarian that's actually inspiring nice. me in this in this run also there is um a little bit of for the first time in my life actually teen titans has actually inspired me a little bit interesting um, for 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 this book and uh and specifically um the arc of oh my goodness what was that girl's name Ooh, oh that's not gonna bother me at all It'll come to me right, 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 right when I'm not worried about. It. But yeah, but Teen Titans is definitely inspiring me. Uh, Conan the Barbarian. There's a and um, a little bit of Odysseus of the Odyssey. I don't know if wow. I really knows. Oh, okay. Well, James, good. James, James is culture. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. A I'm little impre- bit of that. Just say that you, you can use that. That really impresses me. That will yeah. be interesting. Yeah, a little bit of that has inspired me. So it's it's been it's been quite. This one is a. Um, because I'm writing this at a different point in my life now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even though my first run wasn't all sunshines and rainbows, I was still a younger man when I mm-hmm. wrote um, Trouble the Rhythm Within. And now it's been years later. I'm a different person now. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a different person than who I was when I first wrote, wrote that first series. And I've had some pretty rough experiences and some some good ones, too. And a lot of hard lessons have been learned. So there's a lot that has gone on in my life um, for me to actually change what is actually inspiring me to write. So um, it's it's this is going to be a decent, different undertaking. It's it's going to be like the same person wrote it because it is. But Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's but it's also going to be like, hey, this person is different than than where he was before. And it's going to it's going to hit this one's going to hit hard in the fields. This one's going to hit hard in the fields because I've been hit hard in the fields over the mm-hmm. last few years. And this new arc is definitely going to reflect that. And it's going to it's going to get emotional. It's going to get emotional. And like like you like in the first one, you thought Zamir Green was a relatable character and you want to see him succeed. And this one, you're just really going to feel sorry for him. And it's because hmm. it, it, things are going to get so, so bad that 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 you just want to see his pain end. And and that's just that's just where we're going in that. Like I said, it's going to get dark. We're going deep into some murky waters there, James. We're going to some murky waters. But it's hey, not going to. Yeah. Murky mur- waters can be good. Yeah, exactly. But it's not going to be somber all the same. Like you're going to be you're going to be in the fields. But you won't be somber. It's not going to be a an arc. It's like, oh my god, oh god, Dante's Inferno. Oh Jesus Christ, no! But it's gonna, <laughs> still going to be a great deal of entertainment and stuff like that. For like, I'm, there will be some, you know, quips and jokes and comic relief and things. But it's gonna it's gonna be a much more a heavier story 
And I think a lot of people are going to enjoy it once that's <laughs> once I muster up all the strength to finish writing and stop crying while I'm putting it on paper. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned also that the soundtrack is going to be involved. So how is that going to be? Because you mentioned the QR codes, but is that going to be something that we could see, you know, for the, for the people who 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 know what they are? Will it come out something like CD or is it going to be digital release? Those will be digital. So, um. In the 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 music pack is going to be in this Indiegogo is definitely going to be digital. And when we release the album, once the album is actually complete, hopefully by next year we'll have the album done. It will be digital. Um, there will be, um, like I I guess considered a, a marketplace. Like if I can get it on like iTunes or 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 things like that. Like as far mm-hmm. as albums are concerned, that would be great because why put it on a CD at this point, James? You know what yeah. I mean? I, I mean, granted, we and you, we come from a different time. When, That's true. When, when, when CDs was, was king. But <laughs> but folks these days, I, I don't know what record stores I used to have over there, but over here, they don't exist anymore. Um, there's We used to have Tower Records, used to be Sam Goody. We used to have a lot of record places. But those no longer exist. Everybody downloads all their music. Unless it's a mixtape that somebody's selling on the streets. But I'm not going down that route. Um, well, so it's definitely you just hit the, the ultimate one that ages people. Uh, certainly ages me and I guess you as well. Yeah. Tapes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm dropping my mixtape. Like, ooh, sir, sir, please don't say it out loud. People are watching. <laughs> what I'm hoping, what I hope will happen is obviously vinyls kind of resurface. So maybe tapes will come back at some point. <laughs> I mean, hey, they, they're trying to bring back vinyl. So, I mean, yeah, why not? Why not bring back the cassettes? I'm in. I'm in. I definitely would love to, to have that. Yeah. I'm sure I've got somewhere in the house, a multitude of them still somewhere stashed away. Um, but you, I mean, obviously these things take time. They take money. So, yeah. Talk to us about the uh, the funding, please. Yes, absolutely. So this Indiegogo that I'm running currently is literally funding printing and the future stories as far as production is concerned. But primarily, this Indiegogo is about the prints. And printing, oh my goodness, has gotten insanely expensive. So um, for those that are checking this out, um, the printing is what it's all about, and the production is done. It's done, 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 done. So it's not going to be a whole lot of waiting. Like, oh, I got to wait six months or anything. Nope, nope. You ain't got to wait. This is completely about right, right when the right when the funding is complete. This money goes straight to the printery, and right when I get the prints, they're being shipped out, plain and Ooh. simple. It's not. It's not going to like. Oh, I'm sketching it right now nope it's ready to go at all only thing that's left is printing and that's it and that's what this indiegogo is all about is pretty much just funding the prints because prints ain't cheap and that's pretty much it that's beautiful so where do the salty tab bolts and anybody who wants to know where do they go because obviously you are going to give us links i know that so we can yes, add them to the podcast but orally so 
Oh my goodness, God! I just choked on my own daggone spit. What in the world's going on? <laughs> <laughs> That's the so, excitement of telling us, Dre. You see? Yeah, yeah. So, um, there's links. Um, and I lost my thought. Uh, right on, on Twitter, my Twitter at the root zero zero. My profile has a link to all of my work. Um, like if you end up missing, um, uh, this. Indiegogo. Um, there's links right in um, my my Twitter, my link tree. Um, there's links to um, all of my work and upcoming soon. There's going to be hopefully um, I'll be creating a new print store direct um, to. So for those that are just getting their 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 mittens on my work or just hearing about my work or whatever the case may be, they'll be finally have a print on demand. Um, so that's hopefully coming next year, if God be willing <laughs> and funding be willing. Um, Let that, us hope so. Yeah, that will be that's going to be where it's where it's at instead of just uh, just I mean, but some some folks like the personal touch. You can hit me up on Twitter and like, hey, I would like a signed copy. Absolutely. Without question, I'll send you a signed copy. It's it. But if everything works out, um, it will be a uh, print on demand that will be added to um my my personal site on linktree and that will be a way for you to get your mittens on it and is it something that is uh open uh, to people across the pond so here's the kicker here james i personally have no problem sending um uh copies across the pond i've done it before um, on the Indiegogo itself, it will say like, oh, only ships to U.S. because that's where I put it on there. Because mm-hmm. for me, um, I don't I don't want my paying customers charged for shipping. Um, right. I don't want them charged for shipping for it because it can cost an arm and a leg. I'd rather eat the cost myself. Um, so for those that are on your audience that are across the pond and you see that it says like, oh, the graphic novel only ships in the U.S. Just like if you still select that option, put in your email like like it always asks, and then just put a comment in there saying, "Hey, I live wherever, and I will I will still ship it to you because yeah. I rather it be on my dime than yours." So that that's, is uh, com- that is a very good thing to do, sir. That's very commendable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I rather be on my dime than yours because you're taking the time to support my work. So you can like I've had a couple people do it already. They actually just hit me up on Twitter and was like, "Hey, I wanted to get the print." I said, "Perfect." I was like, "Hey," and I, I like that's the way I want to do it. And there's other people that's like, "Hey, I'd rather you have paper shipping on it." Like, no, that's 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 not my mo. I don't like that. Um, so for those that do contribute and you want the prints, because I also have the digital versions as well for those that you know across pond don't want to go through them hassle and stuff. But if you want the print. Just let me know. Just hit me up on Twitter or, or just make a little notation in there. Like, oh, I was interested in the print and I'll, I'll send it to you myself. I will send it to you myself and just just let me know. Like, oh, I contributed. My name is whoever. Like, great. I like I put you on. I'll put you on my shipping list. Boom. Done and done. Just so because I rather rather me eat the cost than you all. That's my thing. That is one hell of a Now, come on. Come on, salty top bowls. Come on, anybody who's listening. How can you not want to support this man if he's willing to take the hit financially himself to post something out to you? 
that tells you one of two things. He's a brilliant guy, but it also tells you how much he believes in his product and how good his product is. Oh, James, you, your your kind words bring a tear to my eye and warm my cold, dark heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can understand the tear, but the cold, dark heart, I'm not quite sure I'll buy into that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, but that's, that's, and that's the kicker. I'm like, hey, I, I'd rather just have everybody enjoy my work and, um, and that's the way I want to do it. And, oh, right, duh. I completely forgot, James. James, I completely mm-hmm. forgot. Next year, I am actually getting some deals done with. I believe you folks have a book company known as Waterstone. Yes, there, we on do. On your side, on your on your side of the pond, I'm actually in the midst of trying to get a deal done over there at Waterstone to have my wow. novel over there on, on in your stores. I don't know how that just slipped my mind. Um, but yeah, so I'm in the midst of doing that as well. Right. Duh. So great, I, great. You're a smart, I mean, to hold, to hold that information to the end, I think is an incredibly smart thing. And I'm very <laughs> glad you, you, you did not forget. And I want to ask one favor of you when of the Waterstones deal happens, can we have you back on to discuss it so we can you get to most tables? certainly can. Absolutely. Yes. I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, I will be down at Waterstones. I want to get the first edition. <laughs> yeah. So I'm working on getting like, if that deal goes through my goodness, good, sir. Yes, absolutely. I will come back. I will oh. be there. And who knows? I might have to take a trip happening. across the pond mm. and, um, and, and do really? some, do some things over there. It would be great if you did. It'd be nice to see you in person. I mean, I yeah. certainly, I, I'd like the treble series. And I think, I mean, you hit the nail on the head that it would make a wonderful cartoon run as well. Yeah. 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 So I'm 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 super fired up. I can't believe how that not miss my head. Look, James, I've been doing so much stuff. I probably don't forgot what my wife's name is at this point. Like, I, <laughs> I, I, I've done so much, so many things. But yeah, so you're that's busy, you, But you remembered, sir. That's all that matters. That's it. That's it. That's it. I remembered. I remember. I remember. So, yeah, so that's something that's in the works and hopefully that goes through. And if that goes through, that's oh boy, that's that's going to be something else. That would be a game changer um, for for everything. Um, And then hopefully I can get it in the States over here. And so so I'm 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 taking it worldwide, James, taking it worldwide. Um, Yeah, that's good. And, do you know, I mean, obviously, do you have an idea when the Waterstones things like to happen? That is still well. So far, so for as of right now, we're still uh, in talks. I think at this point, it's been cleared for the digital marketplace already. But nice. in January, we're going to be discussing um, the prints. We're going to be discussing the prints um, in January um, next. Yeah, next year. Could agree. Of course, next year. Duh. What am I stupid? Yeah, next year, <laughs> January next year. And um, seeing if we can get that worked out. So, so good. So good things are ha- happening for for the Treble franchise. So, they so I, I'm, I'm very happy with that. They certainly are. It sounds very good. I mean, it's just wonderful to hear how well things are going going forward for you. And yeah, yeah I'm man. just really happy. Really, really happy. We've had you back on to talk about it. Yeah, man. Absolutely. I, this is an absolute pleasure back talking with you, my friend. 
Um, yep. you're, you're, you're one of my, you're my, one of my favorite podcasts to talk to. So absolutely. Thank you, sir. Thank absolutely. you. You're one of our favorite guests. Yeah. F- feels good. Feels good. Warm and fuzzy in, in my tum tum. I'm with it. <laughs> well, it's been a very good chat. Um, we've gone through the rageful <laughs> <laughs> discussions of where certain of the comics are at, but we've hit on the wonderful thing of where your comics are at, and that's a yeah. positive ending yeah, rather man. than a negative situation. If the major creators of comics could follow your example, I think they would find themselves in a far more successful you know, you know, uh, situation than they currently are. I am inclined to agree with you on that, my friend. Yep, I th- and I think I mean uh, you know I would say at this point that I that both Gemma and I wish you all the best for the future. Oh yes, um, and I we've got as I said we've got to have you back on to find out where everything's going because I can only see it going into the stratosphere. Oh, you took my word. I was thinking that word. Ooh, <laughs> in my head, Gemma point out steal this one from her i feel we have been talking of codswallop for this episode it's been absolutely brilliantly enjoyable but just to to reiterate you've already said it but how do we get in contact with you just give us the oral rundown again so nobody can say they've forgotten and we will obviously give a written one as well all right fantastic so um everybody can reach me primarily on twitter at the brute zero zero on facebook at the brute zero zero on instagram at the brute zero zero and just to spell it that's d-a-b-r-u-t-e zero zero for those of my military brothers and sisters that's delta alpha bravo romeo uniform tango echo zero zero you can find me on that or on the brutal planet comics youtube channel Hit me up anytime. I'd love to hear from everybody. So, Dre, all I can say is thank you so much for coming on, and it's been an absolute pleasure. And this has been an absolute pleasure for me, my friend. This has been tremendous.